Thanks for joining us uh, on Facebook or the podcast feed. This is our, our monthly Around the Blackboard episode where we talk about current events. There's been a few things in the news, uh, various conspiracy theories being peddled or not, uh, equality acts being passed or not, um, golden calves being erected at uh, conservative political convictions. Anyway, you get the idea. So lots of stuff to talk about today with the, you know, current events with a the theological twist. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm uh, part of Theology on Tap, and uh, you can find me at First Lutheran, flhouston.org, and I'm joined with uh, three other people. I'll look at that camera now. All right. We have two cameras now, so we're all adjusting to this massive increase of, uh, of technology. But um, 20 seconds each. Tell us who you are and about yourself, and we're so glad to have a new guest, by the way, Colin Bagby. So, yes. I'm Sarah Stone. I enjoy long walks on the... No. Uh, I am the Outreach Director for Young Adults at Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church out on the west side. And uh, yeah, I engage with a lot of people from different worldviews, and I was one of the people that helped start Theology on Tap, out of which this podcast was born. So, up to you. Uh, I'm Colin Bagby. I'm uh, the Arminian down the street from uh, Sarah Stone uh, at Memorial <laughs> Drive United jokes. Methodist Church, so just down the road, uh, and I'm the pastor of evangelism and discipleship there. And so I got connected to Sarah through S and Alpha stuff, and then also uh, through Joseph Yu, who was just on the podcast not that long ago. So, fellow Methodist, yes, hello. That's why I sit between you guys. <laughs> yes, you know, that's right. Gang up on us, you know. Oh, that's me. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm, about me. Yes, I'm Meredith Mills. I am pastor of Westminster, which is down the street from Memorial Drive. Uh, fellow Armenian holding mm-hmm. holding up the team. Most here. people listening are like, "What's an Ar- are they saying Armenian?" We're Armenian. so confused. Armenian. I love the Armenians. <laughs> but follow our podcast, delicious. and we'll explain all of that later. Because um, Sarah Stone invited me way back when. In the Theology on Top days, when we were all doing this in person. That was fun. And Meredith runs uh, something called Gastro Church. Yes. Which combines two things that we all love, food and theology. And conversation. Yeah. Well, let's jump in. Uh, let's start with something we all agree on, <clears throat> which is that we should not um, uh, 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 erect um, golden statues and calves anymore, right? Right. We're, we're agreeing <laughs> on that? Okay. Let's find there. out if that's what's going on at CPAC this week, which is CPAC being like the the biggest confab of conservatives on the planet, and President Trump gave the... Do we still call him President Trump? Yeah, we call all former presidents. I, okay. I think we? you call them former president, or ex-president, or something. Unless you're like actually speaking to them, or like they're in the room, like you'd still refer to like President Carter or something. Yeah, they were gotcha. There, but, I mean, well, he, is, he is both president and former president. Yeah. So. Well, it's like Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, former President Trump. He, gave, he, he spoke there Sunday. Anyway, um... Let me just read this. This is an article from Vox, and uh, it goes like this. The golden calf is one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament. It's newly freed from Egyptian slavery, have a crisis of faith when God is speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai. They melt down the golden jewelry to construct a physical god, a statue in the shape of a calf, to worship in place of their abstract, invisible deity. It's a story about the allure of idolatry, how easy it is to abandon one's commitments to Principle in favor of shiny, easy falsehoods. All right, well, fast forward a little bit to CPAC, and you've probably seen the pictures of this golden Donald Trump. I think he's wearing sandals, which is weird. But anyway, in shorts, yeah. In shorts. But he's he's sort of paraded in, and the idea is that, okay, well, now you've got these conservatives who are making this idol out of Trump, and we all knew that they idolized him anyway, and they viewed him as some kind of god that was going to save the nation. But now it's really obvious because, you know, they made a they made it's an actual a statue. Literal golden statue. The literal golden statue. Um, and so it says uh, this uh, this tale trended on Twitter in the U.S. Friday morning because of this video that that references this uh, this golden statue. I want to I want to stop right here though because we're studying Daniel in Sunday school. The golden calf is not the right reference. It's Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuch- it also is a golden calf in Exodus. Yeah, but but the statue is not of a calf. It's of a man. And oh, of, of a political figure, no less. So Nebuchadnezzar builds ah. this 70 foot eight by 18 feet. Uh, the command is that everyone in the land has to bow down and worship it whenever the musicians play. And if yeah. they don't, then they get thrown into a fiery furnace, which is what happens. So um, anyway, I think I just think like the golden calf thing is all wrong. And Nebuchadnezzar is the better. Uh, well, so they use that because for, except for it's made themselves. And it and was they not erected, like, uh, in the absence of their leader. So, yeah. like, it's kind of um, actually really poignant, but like he's yeah. been silent for weeks and then 
so they've made a idol and you know like in the biblical story they call the idol yahweh like it's yeah. like yeah. they're trying to concretize something that is gone and now he's now he's back so i mean i see the nebuchadnezzar reference to that. yeah i mean yeah. people that idolize trump made that connection too in a you know less thoughtful way than you just did um, yeah but yeah i think i think both are i mean idolatry is a common thread throughout the bible so daniel or you know the torah is there so I don't know that anyone actually worshipped this. That that would be one exception I might make. I um, mean, that's on, on the in other, the hearts of men. On the other hand, do we not regularly worship political figures? Um, for example, I might talk about the, the the infamous Obama icon, you know, the hope icon. Mm. Uh, that was clearly, I, I think, iconic in nature. And I think people look at that and they saw a quasi-messianic type of figure. You know, mm. I, I, anyway, I think I think that it can happen on all sides, not to defend a golden statue. But I, but Trump is so tacky, you know, like like he's just tacky. It's not even real gold. Numbers. I'm sure not. Yeah, that would be like a heist movie if that was real gold. You know? But anyway. Well, I think so. Part of on a serious note, like it's it's awesome that we get to talk about golden statues in 2021. But no, part of what's behind here is a, a discomfort with an unwillingness to condemn the parts of Trump that are condemnable um especially for christians i mean so and at some point there's you know this article like y'all it's literally a golden statue literally like we're not we're not pushing for things anymore and i um and and especially among a certain brand of christianity there has been a real uh, unwillingness to condemn anything and yes we can go to the other side too and see and see other things on the other side but um i think that's that's why articles like this are catching people's attention is that i mean how many more how much more obvious can we make it that there are there are things about Trump that conflict seriously with mm-hmm. any version of Christianity? I'm just trying to imagine like the minds that were putting this together. Like, okay, so what kind of decor are we looking for? I know. I mean, they had to know that this was gonna. <laughs> obviously, this was meant for splash and awe, uh, but they had to know that it was going to be offensive in this way to just. Not just Christians, but anyone that looks at this and goes, that's a bit much. I don't remember if it was in this article or if it was in something else I saw, but, like, they interviewed the guy that made oh, yeah. it and brought it, and he was very resistant to, like, oh, no, 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 it's not it's not an idol. Like, it's not supposed to be a golden calf. And it's kind of like one of those, and he wasn't winking when he was saying it, but it's like, you're saying one thing and showing another. Like, yeah, silver. Carefully. So yeah. many medals you yeah, could have right, used. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, or just not a statue. I don't know. Like, well, yeah. That's another option. Agreed. So, yeah. so we all agree it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, not not just, but also appropriate for our age when we look for all of our salvation in political figures, which mm-hmm. is exactly what I think everyone was talking to. And I think it's, it, it is it is something that um, Christians are having a hard time pushing back against because right or left, all of our, all, all people are now looking for politics to save them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is what, from from a from a conservative standpoint, from the right, this is this is the idol of the age. Yeah, no, for sure. I I, I agree that it is a problem to and, and as we talk about other things, the divisions kind of between you know the two camps, the two parties, whatever you know, are clear and they're and they're moral. And so when they're that stark and when they're that different and when the stakes are as high as they are. I think sometimes this is kind of what you get. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that people, they end up like with a last line of defense. Like, oh, well, that that's my guy. Like, he's the last guy that can do it. And so, but I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't I didn't see it and think golden calf, but I can understand why people would. And it seemed like a kind of joke to me, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think probably people who hate Trump basically are like, they would hate something like that. I but. don't hate Trump. And I thought this was so tacky. Yeah. Like, well, he's tacky. That's kind of the thing. It's like it's kind of appropriate. He's, he's gaudy. You know, I think I think at this point people Sorry. are like embracing the fact that you know he he uh, he like from what what people how people have described like Mar-a-Lago. It's like a very cheap version of like an, an, an a European uh, chateau or something. Well, yeah. I think one of the appeals of Trump uh, is that he is sort of one of the special people in a in a separate class because he has all this money. And yet he sort of talks and acts like he's and interacts as if he's one of the people. And that's kind of comforting to people that aren't in the special class. And um, and so maybe that's what they're trying to go for here. But still, yeah. I think it was a. Can I just say, so Colin, thing. you were the one who wrote this article. Was there anything else that 
Yeah, I think one thing that stood out to me is, is I kind of like anticipate because I saw it shared everywhere because I'm friends with a lot of clergy people and a lot of Christian people and a lot of Trump people. Like, yeah, like Evan, to your sentiment, like I don't think that many people took it seriously and no one was like bowing down or like singing <laughs> some like refurbished song with Trump's name in it or something. But I think though people don't take it seriously that there's there's enough here that like you can like reverse engineer like how this happened mm. you know, that there are people that seriously there's like trump orthodoxy i think mm-hmm. and then there's this sort of thing that like is a it's further out from the source like it's kind of weird but it's not an aberration like this is it was funny but it wasn't shocking to me like this kind of mm. made sense like seeing this like oh he's gone you know, there are people that believed for weeks, religiously believed that he still was going to be president and he wasn't. And then, oh, they still do. Yeah, I know. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. March, March 6th or something like that. Like yeah. any day now he's going to be president again. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah, March 6th. Yeah. So the, Wait and watch. Yeah. Uh, I'm to, joking. I'm not one of those yeah. people. <laughs> to, your, to the common ground point, it was like a new begin thing about, you know, politics is the new religion. That, like, I agree with that totally. And I agree with like this kind of idolization or like the hagiographies we write about political figures right or left after they pass away, especially. Um, but anyway, I just thought, like, yeah, it's funny, but it's kind of one of those things, like, you laugh until it doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. But, like, it's funny because it's so absurd, and it's funny because we're trying to laugh the uncomfort or discomfort away. Mm. Um, because I think it mm-hmm. also says something really serious about where we are culturally, uh, that, like, this is funny. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think that people sense that uh, we're sort of... <clears throat> I think people feel that socially we're, we're, we're so polarized um, that our sort of institutions are sort of hanging by a thread. I mean, whether it's the Constitution or a variety of institutions, the church itself, um, they're, they're, they're disjointed that we end up looking to people. You know, we don't really trust the system anymore. You know, the rule of law, like that. So I think we're, we're, we're hanging, or, or you just look... Look at the let, let's look at the Equality Act. Let's look at that next because oh, is that tiny thing. Yeah, cool. be, yeah. because as an example, um, for it to pass, it would require sixty votes in the Senate, which we're not going to get because we still have a filibuster in place. And da da da. So because we don't, we have such wide disagreement about things. Legislation doesn't go anywhere, and so who ends up doing things? The executive, you know, all the executive mm-hmm. orders, this mm-hmm. and that. So that person becomes more and more and more important, Powerful. and judges become more and more important. Um, because I think it, we're, what we're going to see is like executive orders start to get challenged. But Sarah, this was your article. Why don't you tee up what the Equality Act is and whether we should be worried about well, it? Well, you'll have to help me out here because I am still <coughs> confused how the Equality Act is different from some existing laws we have in place. But it's my understanding that this is an amendment uh, added to the Equality, I mean, the um, Civil Rights Act of 1964. And the purpose of that, of course, was to end discrimination against black people which we all agree on. Um, but this is to extend those rights to LGBTQ. And I, I think there's also another line in there about uh, pregnancy status. You might have to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I think uh, various religious, well, not just religious, but conservative people are concerned that this is going to drip over and bleed into uh, an infringement on free speech. But you're going to have to really tell us more about this. This is, this is more your baby than mine. I'm just now catching up to this. Well, um, yeah, it's it it, <clears throat> it it. Well, first of all, I think the headline is interesting. This is from The Hill. So House passes sweeping protection for LGBTQ people. That's, I think, already not a, a proper title. It already skews things in the direction of saying that this is an unprotected class, and therefore this is a law that would protect them. Um, well, and let me ask this on behalf of, people like me who are a little confused by this. It was my understanding that there are already anti-discrimination laws in place for ev- all of the people that would be protected under the Equality Act. So- well, I, I, well I, I don't think so, not, not to this extent. So once you make something level equal to the Civil Rights Act, you're basically saying that, that a, a transgender person is the a- equivalent in terms of the rights that they possess based on that identity as a person of color, right? So, um, so for example, there's a Supreme Court ruling, uh, it, it happened with the Lutheran Church, Hosanna versus Tabor. And the Supreme Court ruled nine to nothing in favor of the church that it had the right to not hire or fire someone who was not part of their religious teaching. I think it was a teacher in, a, in an elementary school or something. So you could fire, uh, like, say, an atheist that right. was trying to teach at a Christian right. school. Okay. Right. But if, so, so there are places for, for institutions to, you know, 
to have to still have their conscience. But that same school wouldn't have the right to fire someone because they were black, mm -hmm. but they would have maybe in 1963. Okay, so um, so when you place something like this on the level of the Civil Rights Act, I think basically you're opening up the possibility of of of, a, of saying to to a church who might have a principled stance against homosexuality or transgenderism, saying, "Well, this person has a unilateral right to work at your facility in spite of what you believe, and if you don't comply, then there will be punishments." So the Supreme Court precedent for that would be uh, the, um, the 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 Supreme Court case against the uh, um, oh, it just went on my head, the, the university, Bob Jones University, uh, which in the seventies. Um, lost its tax exempt status because it was it, it segregating still. Mm -hmm. it's, it refused <laughs> it to house. Interracial relationships. Yeah, inter mm -hmm. they weren't allowing blacks and whites, I believe, who were married or something to live in the same place. So, so there's. So, so they fought this. They had all these like tax bills, like, high, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. They fought it and fought it. And they lost at the Supreme Court level. So they lost their tax exempt status. And so if, if that is what was done to Bob Jones, which we would all agree with. Right. Okay. Because we, because we agree that black persons are not a fundamentally different human being right. than, than anybody else. And so that what we did for hundreds of years with slavery and then 100 years with segregation and, and Jim Crow and all that was immoral, unethical, inhumane, and wrong. And so we agree with what the Supreme Court said about Bob Jones, but that would be the precedent. And I guarantee you there's a thousand lawyers in America right now just waiting to use that precedent against – yeah. Uh, churches, schools, any religious institution that would deny that transgenderism is acceptable, that would deny that homosexuality is moral, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's that's kind of where this would go. I don't think it's going to end up going anywhere for now because, like I said, it's not going to get through the Senate. Um, Joe Manchin's already made sure of that. So, um, but yeah, I I I, I would say it's. It's, I've, I've talked a lot, so I'm going to be quiet. But I would definitely, it would definitely be something that that I would be very concerned about. I think that First Amendment would essentially go out the window at this point. Hmm. What do you guys think? So I, um, Colin, did you want to go first? No, or? you go ahead. Um, Sorry, I no. have not um, done a ton of so the the background of me is I have two small children and like negative time right now and no sleep. And so I did a whole lot of binge reading and listening last night to get ready for this. And what's interesting is I, I've got my go-to listens on the left and on the right. Um, and on the right, I listened and I was like, oh my gosh, this bill has so much in it. Like, we're going to completely undo American. And then I listened on the, on the left and I actually looked at what, what's in it. And they're like, oh no, it's just this little tiny thing. And so part of what part of what is happening with this bill is because there's so much territory that hasn't been uncovered. There's a lot of conjecture about what the yeah. bill could do. Yeah. Um, and, and I think probably uh, a lot of Evan's fears are founded because of the extent to which people have taken laws in the past and, and run with them. I think the fundamental question culturally that, that, this bill is trying to push us to goes is what your religious conviction gives you the right to do. So let's think about Bob Jones. Does Bob Jones's religious conviction that black people are different than white people? We might not agree with that, but that was his religious conviction. Does his religious conviction give him the right to set a rule for his school in which that religious conviction is played out. If we're gonna say no, then that puts us in murky territory about what our religious convictions hmm. give us a right to do. Now, um, I think everyone's gonna agree, churches should be able to set their own standards for the people they hire for particular positions. So we should not pass a law that requires the Catholic Church to ordain women for Jewish people, right? Like. I think we're all in agreement about that. But does the Catholic Church have a right to fire a lawn contractor because the lawn contractor is transgender? Hmm. Right? So, like, this is the territory we're getting into. And I feel like, and I don't know, I'm, I don't know the legislation that's going to get us there, 
But I feel like that's the, the question we need to answer as a society to really get to a to an answer about what the correct legislation would be. Because I don't I don't think we're all in the same place about that. And I'm not sure as a person of faith that I would even say to my congregation, your faith would mean you offer a service to this person and not to this person. Or, I mean, part of this is denying housing, denying employment. Um, I just think it gets into murky territory yeah. very quickly. Um, that's a that's that's more nuanced than I'm hearing from either side, frankly. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Like, and it's hard to I I was on the drive up here was reflecting on like how helpful and faithful can I be from the perspectives that I represent as like a straight man uh, who also is in a tradition and denomination that is currently in the throes of a battle mm -hmm. over what our standards are or aren't going to be about human sexuality, and of course I find myself on the more progressive side of this conversation, but I think um, to follow up with your kind of, you know, is about um, services and potentially housing. I'm, I'm concerned about that because there are, there are situations we can imagine where I think Christians as a whole would morally object to whether or not you are not affirming or not. Um, is if a gay couple wanted to, if, if a landlord found out that one of his tenants was gay, um, they should not, absolutely should not have the right to evict them on that ground. But do they have that right now? That's what I don't know. That's why I was asking. So the that's the question too, yeah. is is I, I want to ask, do LGBT people deserve and are they due equal protection under the law? And are there situations in which they're not given that opportunity? Well, I'll tell and, a story. Okay. I think it'll answer that. Okay. When okay. I was in seminary, sorry, I didn't mean to No, 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 go for it. So when I, when I was in seminary, um, the seminary itself <clears throat> had a, a gay couple of course, the housing was not co-ed, right? I mean, it's men with, with roomed with men and the apartments and so on and so forth, and <clears throat> with women. But there was a, a a lesbian couple who was openly lesbian in living in an apartment, and the seminary took issue with that, you mm -hmm. know, because they didn't allow unmarried homo heterosexual couples to yeah to, any to sex shack outside up. of marriage, right? Were, yeah. Right. So they're still holding that line in two thousand five or whatever. The synod in which I w was at the time, and I heard this from pretty good authority said that they would use the Fair Housing Act to sue their own seminary if they did not allow them to live together. So I thought that was incredibly odd. House divided cannot stand and all of that. Um, but so I think the answer is I, I don't I don't believe there are uh, restrictions on tenants and landlords. I, I think that any, you know, someone living in a whatever, a house or something couldn't be kicked out on the basis of discrimination. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but here's kind of the, I mean, to, to take it maybe from a policy to kind of a fundamental question, here, here's my question about it. Because the Civil Rights Act was the writing of, you know, three plus centuries of specifically race-based uh, law and abuse that went on in our country. Um, it was essentially illegal to be black in America for hundreds of years. And there were great effects of slavery. I think that goes without saying. Um, and then for the hundred years after the Civil War, there were great effects still to this day. So, or, or to that day, well, still to this day, but you know, certainly until 1964. So my question, my objection to this is from a biblical point of view, first of all, the Bible, I don't think really speaks to race, but when it does speak to LGBTQ issues, it doesn't speak about them in, a, in, a, in, a, in any way that would confer identity. I think that's mm -hmm. a modern concept, the idea that you are a transgender person. The Bible doesn't speak about people like that. Now, people would say, well, of course not. The Bible's full, written by ignorant people. Um, but I would say the Bible's concerned with what you do with your body. You know, there are such things that are that are shameful acts of passion or, you know, abominable acts and things of that nature that are described in the Bible. Um, and, and and so, but, but I, I do think that you could say in America, like, to be black was an identity. It was a real identity. There, there were laws against you for being black. Hmm. I don't, that would be my argument against it. Yeah, so I, I actually think I, my response to that would be we've invented all the identities, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. race scientifically doesn't really, it's not a science. Thanks, Human Genome Project. There is no race. Yeah. Right, it's not a scientific yeah. reality, but it, it is, it, it was invented as a reality. Like whiteness was invented in order to define blackness and in order to then, you know, use it against, right, use it against people. Yeah. Um, 
it, and in the same way, I, you know, we can go back in the history about I, I, inventing identities around, you know, sexual orientation, things like that. But, but there isn't, it hasn't been beneficial to be an alternate sexual identity. I think you can maybe make the argument that somewhat recently that there's there's a little bit of a social benefit to you, mm-hmm. but that's been very recent. Yeah. That's been very oh, recent. Oh, I, I probably agree. Um, agree with that. And yeah. so I think I think we've I think if we're going to go to that, we've we've invented all the identities. Like I think I think the Bible does fundamentally speak to us as people beyond identities, but I don't think I think what this legislation is trying trying to do and i leave it up to the legal experts about whether it's successful in it but i think what this legislation is trying to do is trying to undo the damage that we have caused against identities that we have created in in causing that and so i don't you know i don't think the fact that identities aren't real things I, like the fact that a race wasn't actually a real identity mm. didn't keep us from causing damage in the first place mm-hmm. and so I, I i'm not sure that would undercut the need for legislation of some sort even if this isn't the right answer yeah i mean i think the 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 bigger fundamental question is do you as a person of faith have the right to withhold your basic services from another person based on your faith right and and i think here's the thing if Here's my problem is if we did it once with the Civil Rights Act, it's very hard to not do it with anything else. It's almost like you either use that gun or you don't. Yeah. Well, well but it's not just about withholding, right? It's also about services that now need to be provided, which comes into, um, you know, things like abortion. Or, well, so that's okay. an entirely different. I, I'm not sure it's actually I, I thought that was kind of like a conservative conjecture that it, we could go down that route. I didn't think it was actually written into the bill. I don't know about the abortion one, but I know I've read several pieces about the gender identity, meaning okay. that there's going to be there's going to be legislation against you if you keep a say child who identifies as a different gender than they were born in um, from getting hormones, hormone blockers, uh, the surgery, and then you've got court cases we've already seen where parents are losing their say over what their kids can do and that kind of thing. I think so. It's not just well, we're you know we shouldn't withhold this. Uh, right from somebody but it's also what rights do we or what services or do we now need yeah. to provide because of it no you're right and that's a different thing that i'm talking I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting back to this fun like the cake bakers the the thing yeah. like is it is it moral to withhold something from somebody well and so right. and, and the thing the thing that's really interesting about the whole cake baking thing is that the cake baker had many gay customers for whom he did many he, he baked many cakes um but they were for things that he did not consider to be religious rights sure. that that his participation in would offend his conscience. Um, so he would make something for a birthday, but not for the wedding. And so, in the Supreme Court, uh, upheld his, you know, his objections on conscience grounds. I don't think that if this passed, I don't know. I mean, they'd have to declare this act unconstitutional. I don't know that that would happen. But I, I mean, to to a to a person of color in 1964. Would we say, could we say to that person that a person who in 2021 believes they're the other gender, are, are they in the same camp? I, I don't think they're in the same camp. That's where I would come down. But Well, I, I, there's like two, two things happening there, though. One is that, oh, sorry, thank you. Uh, one is that, yeah, I think we all recognize that race and sexual orientation and gender identity are not the same thing. But... The over the umbrella question is not whether those things are the same thing. It's whether people of a different gender identity or people of a sexual different sexual orientation or people of various races deserve equal protection under the law. So I don't want to like get in the weeds about whether mm-hmm. or not somebody in the '60s would think that somebody who identifies a different gender is act- if that's a real thing or not. I don't I don't know if that's totally relevant to the legal question, which is do like the earlier point do they can they be withheld from particular services mm-hmm. and to the earlier point about you know we're not going to ask a, a, a catholic diocese to ordain women or a jewish person or an honor and this but the, then the question is extended to like someone who mows the lawn or your plumber or something mm-hmm. like that i think i think those are important kind of nuanced more specific questions and not hypotheticals about what people in the 60s thought about gender identity or homosexuality or yeah yeah well i don't know yeah i um I, I, I don't think this particular bill is going anywhere. I, I, I don't know if there are 
could be some kind of executive order against it. But I do think it's a real tipping point because I think that uh, where it's a it's a or something. It's it's something that really shines light on kind of I think where our society is at this point. And um, you know, like we talk about equal protection under the law, and I, maybe I'd have to think about this a little bit more. But um, we we all have there are all some limits to to that. You know, I, I mean, we wouldn't we wouldn't give equal access to um, to, a, to, a, to a felon to yeah. buy a gun, right? So there, so there are limits we would put. And um, so I, I, I think that anyway, yeah, I, I, I won't have the last word on that. I'm sorry. but <laughs> Well, we're going to kind of continue talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the next article, Colin? Kind of tee that one up or? Because I, I am the conservative in the, you know, yeah, uh, by actually, the next article. So. I, thought, I thought this one was interesting. I had a friend send this one to me when uh, um, talking about the Equality Act, thinking about one, the generalization of what people of faith means. Hmm. Um, because the, if, if we imagine that the opinions on uh, LGBTQ rights is various within the Christian tradition, um, we expand that to even more like, so then we're asking more meta questions about like, what is a person of faith? Hmm. Um, is it like, someone who self-describes in a poll as a Christian? Because right, we all right. know that they're not a Christian. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And that's kind of what our like kind of post-Christian culture is t- benefit of being a christian is no longer present so like that number is much smaller that and also for me like the kind of philosophical philosophical question is kind of asking aren't all people people of faith in some way Mm -hmm. this is kind of a deeper question i'm asking um where's that article (laughs) right yeah i should have included that one uh but um i i i honestly i included this um just because i find uh marjorie taylor green Hey, as a really fascinating case study <laughs> in what it means to be a person of faith, because I think she has a lot of faith. Um, yeah, in I think Jewish she is a. Lasers. I think she has a. I think she is a person of faith. I don't think she and I necessarily share. She would fall under the same umbrella of yeah. people of faith, and so that's why I'm kind of concerned by this. Like, ah, people of faith, they're all for this, mm-hmm. you know, or like they're a majority for this, or to be significant when I don't think that that sort of broad sweeping categorization really tells us much of anything other than the fact that like, yeah, there's a wide variety of faiths in our country because of, you know, the, our, our identity of who, what our, what our country is. And also, you know, the kind of the way the question is posed, you know, is like, do you support that? Do you think that people should be, you know, equally protected um, based on their gender identity or sexual orientation? And so um, anyway, I just, it, it, raised more it raised bigger questions than the than the article actually asks mm-hmm. uh because then it also um it goes then into this thing that we he- are hearing over and over again now about joe biden being like one of the most religious presidents since jimmy carter mm-hmm. um which i find i find really fascinating because it's also a really cool case study thinking about joe biden and jfk and like how catholicism is viewed in america uh but anyway uh my my main interest is in what that what it means for people of faith to be for or against the Equality Act because I think it kind of muddies the waters about like well what who is who is people of faith and uh, you know what are their various viewpoints on human sexuality anyway so, yeah yeah and what's her name Marjorie Taylor Greene yeah she's so interesting because she I mean she believes because a lot of, of Jewish things. space lasers well that would be the big one yeah okay. I mean she she was. Uh, proponent of QAnon stuff and all I kinds of crazy. I swear I know that name. Yeah. Um, y'all kept talking about her. But, I like I know that name. But the, the the thing that happened most recently regarding the Equality Act wasn't so crazy. I mean, she had this, t- this yeah. back and forth with this other lady and um, the lady has a transgender child and that lady put like a sign outside of her office that said something. I don't remember what I wish I, I wish I did. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene put a sign outside her office that said something like there are only two genders or something. They were having a little bit of trash talk back and forth. But the things she said weren't. But because she already said things that were crazy to us, it's like, oh, maybe just please don't represent yeah, she, us. I mean, she basically <laughs> said there are, there are two genders. I mean, and, and since we're theology on tap, I mean. The argument here is that, you know, God made them male and female and there aren't all, you know, all these other genders. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is an offense. And we had we had a debate on transgenderism a half a year ago or so with Robert Gagnon. And I mean, for for for, for his point of view, um, and I would agree, uh, you know, there are there are two sexes and people oppose the word gender. to say otherwise is to offend God. And so he wouldn't, for example, use preferred pronouns, for example, mm-hmm. um, he for them for him, that was a great offense. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess for me, I, 
are we allowed to self-identify? Maybe that's a, a, a broad question. Is, is, is that something we get to determine, what our gender is? Um, well, I'll say this. I don't know that we necessarily want to get into that right now, but the self-identification on whatever platform I think is part of what some conservatives have a problem with with the Equality Act because it's regardless of whether you're talking about gender or anything, it's this kind of postmodern relativism that mm. um, I think people are afraid how far that will go. Well, I identify as such and such today, or maybe that's, you know, it's getting into this whole, like, my truth, your truth, um, and then what are the effects that that could have? I mean, I heard a political pundit saying something about a um, transgender woman, so biologically born man, um, that could go to, a um, like, a, a battered spouse like women's center um and that like there's you know there's a problem there or that there's even room for criminal activity if you then use this as a loophole and i mean i don't know if these things will ever come putting forth, transgender men in women's prisons or something which I yeah i mean and we didn't even talk about the sports element yeah. which is already happening which i yeah. think is kind of interesting so i, I think the self-identification is part of the issue it's not just do we want to protect people of course we want to protect people and we want people to have equal rights but where does that kind of yeah. self-identification yeah. muddy the waters? So what's interesting about um, – so part of this is all of this is very new, mm -hmm. right? All of this is very new in that we are moving light speeds culturally um, faster than we ever have moved. Like if you think about um, how quickly cultural standards are changing around feelings um, – it's just it's just very fast i mean even within the course of five hundred years and so it's um part of what's happening is people are just trying to figure out what consent is um and uh and so all these conjectures that they have all sorts of things to happen i i want to say a word about because i've been thinking a whole lot about like you you asked a very broad question um the since we are theology and topic are we allowed to self-identify right that's i think that's a very good question to ask um from a Christian perspective, because part of what has caught me, and I have very little personal experience with anything. I have a good friend who's who's transgender, and that's it. Like I have no other political experience. I haven't I haven't done my homework. I haven't spent time thinking about the transgender narrative that I hear presenting. Is that it reminds me a whole lot about what we see in the gospel about God actually like calling people and changing their name. Right, uh, like you were Abram, and now you are Abraham, and that actually is changing your identity. Like you were born a Gentile, and now you are grafted onto um, the body of Christ. Like you are, like even the circumcision of the heart thing. Now, I'm I'm not trying to pull a one to one correlation there, and but but that that fundamental question, like, can you change at the core of your DNA? Is it possible that the person God created within you? Um, you will die a different person than you were born. Is that like I don't I don't see that as entirely antithetical. I see the story that we see presented in the gospel, uh, and I don't I don't think that's necessarily like an argument, but I I, I don't think that the, the concept itself is is alien to what we see. I guess my first reaction to that is like there's the loss of objectivity that I'm talking about when in the examples you gave. Um, the person doing the changing is the source of our objective truth, reality, mm -hmm. goodness, morality, um, rather than us saying, like you talked about, being, something being based on feelings. Somebody on Facebook asked, who else is to determine one's identity? Meaning, shouldn't one determine one's identity? Um, and if it's something like uh, sexuality, God. that's God, that's yeah. what I would go back to, right? Yeah. Like, and And we have evidence of that based on, you know, body parts and uh, hormones and things like that. But that to me is the distinction is, mm. am I saying today I feel like blah, blah, blah. And I'm not trying to minimize, like I don't think gender dysphoria is some, I wake up every day and think it's something different. I, I have several transgender friends and it's not that, um, but it is appealing to myself rather than to something outside myself. Well, not necessarily, it depends on the transgender person. Like there, oh, are, of course, of there course. are people who would say, this is my God-given identity. Yeah. And living into this God-given identity is difficult, mm -hmm. but this is this is who he made me to be, not who I was born. I, I right? at least, yeah, no, you go. No, I was just going to say, and doesn't, that kinda, doesn't that kind of get to the heart of Evan's original question? It was like, 
do we, would you say the right or are we able or are we allowed right. to self-determine is I want to, I want to like vocalize that, you know, a, a person who's transgender, their experience is not the, is not one of, you know what, like, it's not like changing clothes for a person. It's not like, it's not like a momentary decision. It's from my, and again, want to just caveat, like, it's not my experience, so I can't speak totally faithfully to it more than it is like, you know, I'm going to self-determine today. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like you said, and transgender people that I know, it's like, this is who God created me to be. So it's actually is God determining your identity. And it's you discovering what your identity is, not, you know what, I'm, I'm, you know, making this decision. But again, with the caveat that it is not my experience. And so I don't, I don't want to impose a definition on it, but I, I think being careful about the languages is kind (laughs) to, Mm -hmm. to, to not say like, you know, to not broadly sweep you know, um, transgender people as saying like they're just they just think they can decide whoever they want to be because I don't that's not my experience. I actually just... really appreciate that distinction. You use the word discovery. I like that. I, I think there's something really lovely and beautiful that we do our whole lives through where we discover who God made us to be. Of course, the question is how do we go about that process? And you know, we might dis- well, disagree about that. And but. I think the further question, I, I think we're, it is, I think, far easier for us to come to some kind of agreement about how you treat people. I think the question gets far stickier when you're talking about writing public policy. And that's yep. where that's where I don't have I don't have brilliant answers. that's going to make everyone happy. And that's where push comes to shove with a lot of them. That's why we're arguing about this is because it's it's difficult mm-hmm. to take the various nuances into consideration when you're writing public policy that's then going to determine life for yeah. millions of people. Yeah. But again, I would say, like you talked about how things are moving so quickly. That's true. And when you look at the Civil Rights Act, you're talking about 300 years of history and experience. And now it's like yesterday we decided that transgenderism was equivalent to that. And what I'm saying is it's not. Um but I, I, you know, I like I, when I think about like who God we, we we keep saying like who God created us to be. Like, is that before Genesis three or after Genesis three? Because to me, they're not they're not the same things. Uh, you know, after Genesis three, we are fallen in sin, and so we 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 identify ourselves in all the wrong ways in many respects. That's um, what I meant by discovery. How are you uh, going about that discovery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like. I mean, in my previous denomination, when we when we had the argument that the Methodists are having now on on homosexuality, that's what you all God made me this way. God made you mm-hmm. made me this way, and um, I would say, well, what what is the effect of the fall? You know, okay. because if 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 I were to say, okay, God made me a, a heterosexual, but after the fall, I'm a I, I have lust in my heart, so I'm a wanton adulterer. You know, Jesus convicts me of that. My, my answer to that isn't to say, well, if we could just make adultery okay in the church, then that would be fine. You know, it's mm. like, no, I have to fight against that thing that is now very natural to me, mm-hmm. that is very normal to me, mm. that, that is so natural to me and so intuitive to me that, in fact, it's, it's almost like it's who I am. Meredith, in fact, I see you over yeah. there. What no, do you it's, it's just the question is, what's the old creation, what's the new creation? What's the fundamental argument? What's the old creation, what's the new creation? Yeah. Because we see, we all know we see old creation. We all know we see glimpses of new creation, and it's what's which is which. Yeah. Well, um, I think we're probably close to running out of time, and we still have a number of articles. Um, I, I, I said something here about I put something in about CPAC and Christian nationalism. I think there's a whole argument that we we should have, but maybe today's not the day for it. About like, what is Christian nationalism and you know, what do people mean by saying that? Are they all Nazis? There was the, the thing going around this week about the, the CPAC stage looking like an SS symbol, which was news to a lot of people um, who had never seen that symbol before or heard of it or, or something like that. Um, but I'd actually be more interested in, in maybe wrapping up, talking a little bit about we, one we of your... We have some time. Okay. Yeah, just putting that out there. Okay. Well, um, I don't know. Yeah. Just, just my thoughts. If y'all want to... Move us on. That's great. Yeah. Um, the, the article, Meredith, that you brought, both of them are interesting. But the one about conspiracy theorists and so forth is, is interesting because it actually kind of speaks to a lot of this sort of thing that we we're just talking about, which is sort of there being an accepted orthodoxy that, that now if you're, if you're opposed to, you get labeled something else is pretty quickly. you tell us you're QAnon? No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I barely know what QAnon is. <laughs> I had um, to explain it to him last yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but no, I think that there, there's a, there's a growing number of things though around sure, which sure. if you disagree with, 
um, which we can talk about. But you know, yeah, no, yeah, okay. But but your point in. is fair. That is a fair point. What is also a fair point is the number of people who are committed to crazy things is increasing. Crazy. crazy town. No. Um, okay, and so what I loved about this article is that he he makes this argument and then he deconstructs it and then he deconstructs himself. And he just seems like a nice guy. I like nice people. Um, and what he basically says is like um, when people ask him what to do if one of their loved ones is committed to a conspiracy, he's like, okay, are they conspiracy curious or are they conspiracy oh committed? That's amazing. Um, and what he said is if they're just conspiracy curious, curious, you're good. Yeah. Uh, you have a conversation, you engage them, you ask questions, you talk. That's fine. When they're conspiracy committed, mm -hmm. it is because they are getting something socially and emotionally. Mm -hmm. they, they have found a community. They have found a niche. They have found, um, you know, people to love and support them. And he uses, and actually, full uh, disclosure, the, the way I found this is uh, Jonathan Haidt, who is one of my favorite writers. Um, I was Googling some of his articles because y'all had already sent out yours. And I was like, article um and he didn't write this but he's he's cited in it and he talks about the elephant writer in in psychology where we're all the the writer on this huge elephant and we think we're directing the elephant but the truth is the elephant could just sit down and then we don't do anything um and he and he says that most of what we do is is the is the elephant it's our subconscious needs and desires and all these other things um and and so he said, when you're t speaking to a, con a committed conspiracy theorist who is legit crazy town, not just um, not just things Curious. that are yeah. you know, yeah, but, see, uh, but see, speak the, to yeah. But that's like the whole question is like, like who determines what's crazy town? Okay, so right. that is a legitimate consideration, but I feel like that is a little bit. So you would agree that Jewish space lasers are are crazy town? Okay. Yes. Okay. So what do we make about the increasing number of people who are committed? To things like Jewish crazy town, I like Jew, Jew whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I think I think your point is is completely relevant, and I think that talks. You know, we have. Uh, I think people are, are narrowing the window of what's acceptable to talk about. I think that's a fine point, but there is also at the same point, y'all, a whole lot of people who mm -hmm. are finding their meaning in mm -hmm. conspiracy theories yeah. on the right and the left. I just happen to be more familiar with the ones on the right, um, but what. What do you, like, what's a Christian response to that? There was a thing, like, uh, right after the election was called for Joe Biden, um, I think one of the people that I think, for me per particularly, was really disheartening to see um, go to crazy town was Eric Metaxas, who is, like, observably an intelligent person mm -hmm. who believes and touts absurdities now, is not... Is he all the way in? He's not Q, but okay. he's like, I mean, he had like a, a, a music video where he's like lip syncing over or like singing over a pentatonics acapella, you know, acapella of Mary Did You Know, but it's Biden Did You Know. And it's the greatest hits of the, you know, widely debunked election conspiracy theories. Um, and so it's like this person who obviously, you know, has a mind worth using. Um, so it's like this susceptibility that's kind of troubling because I know of people in my own church that are mm -hmm. susceptible to these sorts of things and share these sorts of things. And I think, you know, again, back to the like politics is the new religion is like, you know, when does religiosity become like, it feels good to tie myself to something that I have no confirmation of or no good reason to believe. And when do we kind of step in and, and say like explicitly, like, you know, we're people that are bound to telling the truth and this is well, and objectively untrue so know? the reason that response doesn't work you like well i'm, I'm just I, I don't think that response worked. i think mm -hmm. i think the social media has been trying that like censorship mm -hmm. it feels like censorship um and and if you just go to somebody and say what you believe is not true i just don't think they and again i i'm talking like I think everyone here agrees Jewish space lasers are crazy town. And I realize that there are other things that are content, like we're arguing about facts, we're arguing about things, but but it's people are finding meaning, right? Can I say something? Yes. I think the part of the reason why, as I said this in the last podcast, I love studying cults, and I think there's a lot of cult QAnon, so I have studied it a fair amount now. I am not a QAnon theorist. But I think, oh, no, 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 no. 
but I think a couple of things about the QAnon theories. One, small parts of the overarching theory are true. Just like any false sure. religion or sure. false belief. Always there are some things that are like, oh, that thing really happened. Wait a minute. So one has some like built-in little mini legitimacy. But I think the biggest thing is for QAnon followers is that it is offering them some hope when they feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. Because in the final like version of what happens with the whole QAnon theory and and how Trump takes back over, it's not just that he takes back over as president, it's that all of these people that have been involved in these terrible, wicked things, which probably really are happening. It might not be those people, but there are there's wickedness happening in the world, that they will all be called to account, justice will happen, the bad people will go down, the good people, we say good people, you know what I mean, and that America will sort of not just be great again, but will be exacting the kind of justice that we all want. I, kingdom come, they will be done on earth yeah. as it is in heaven. So, and I think that's, yeah. like, people latch onto that the same way you latch onto it when you watch Lord of the Rings, and they finally put the ring, and you're like, ah. Oh. You know, good one over evil. That's what we all want. It's the storyline we all want to be part of. And so I think that's what is at hand there. And so when we're talking to people, I think maybe we start there. We start with, man, I get it. I get why this is so attractive. I want that too. And but then we, we, but can we also try yeah. to make some distinctions because not all conspiracy theorists theories are equal. Okay. Sure. So You're for right. for, right. for example, um, if if Lee Harvey Oswald worked with one other person to mm -hmm. kill JFK, that was a conspiracy. Yes. Yes. Okay, that's what a conspiracy is. It's it's multiple parties to bring something about, um, and uh, so you could you could go on and on with examples like that. So like I I, I think that the Earth is round, for example, spherical maybe would be wow. a better way to say that. Yeah, I don't think that flat Earthers and all I don't think that that and the JFK conspiracy theory are equal, right? I think that there's different levels of evidence. There's different yeah. reasons to believe these sorts of things. What what concerns me, yeah, it, there is a censorship element where it's like if you want to put someone in the intellectual gulag as fast as possible, what you do is you call them a conspiracy theorist because now they're a flat earther. Well, wait a minute. I'm not a flat earther. So, for, for example, um, I, I'm going to be going to a meeting on Thursday night with the Harris County GOP Election uh, Integrity Committee. So maybe I'm one of these nuts, right? And so um, let's say at that meeting they present um, – 100% certain proof that election fraud uh, took place in Harris County in the last year. It, it changed 100 votes. Does that make me a conspiracy theorist? You know, if I believe that election fraud has taken place in previous elections, it's I don't think It's not about your so. belief. It's about evidence for it. Right. So if they, they provide evidence for that, then I think we'd all agree, no, you're not a conspiracy theorist. Right. So, but, right? but what happens? Like, but, no, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. But what... But what what happens is, and it's like right here in this article, which says that, um, and this is David French, I mean, formerly of National Review. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, basically what it says is like, like any claim of election fraud is total nonsense and it's, it's a conspiracy theory. Well, no, it's not. Um, right. there, there, there was a lot of election fraud. Maybe it didn't change the outcome of the election by 0. 0.0000001%. Uh, but to say that it's not, and then you say people say things like, "Well, it wasn't widespread." Well, what do you mean by widespread? Is four cities widespread? Is two cities widespread? Is ten people widespread? That's it. Who gets to define widespread? If you tell me who defines widespread fraud, then I'll tell you whether or not you know it really was widespread or not. So my concern with it is that um, what conspiracy? Um, you know it. You know what? What is evidence for it? Um, you know I I, I am. I, I, I basically, though, feel like it, this would be a very quick way to shut somebody up or to, like, alienate them from their life. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, you mm -hmm. know? And it's like, well, yeah, Jewish space lasers, I, I, that sounds crazy. Um, but, you know, what's also interesting is, like, there's this, like, there's, like, like, like for example, like, there's this huge movement to end human trafficking, mm -hmm. okay? And then, like you said, like, I know very little about, I know it's, like, a theory about, Human trafficking. You have to use the word cabal anytime you talk. About it's it. a cabal, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's not a cabal. It's like it's like in a in a weird way those things should like come together in some way. I don't know because like it really well, but it here's really the does. Problem, and then I promise to yeah. stop talking because uh, the problem I think that a lot of people have with QAnon is that they're doing a lot of talk about the sex trafficking or human trafficking, but they're not actually participating. They're not joining up with a second cup or Elijah Rising okay. or participating in ending it. Not in ending it. In oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yes. Yeah. In ending Hopefully human trafficking. They're not participating. They're just waiting on the, the They're the waiting calf. on the savior to ride in right. on a white stallion and, and make they everything sound better. Like Christians. 
I mean, and that's Sorry. and that's where I think that's the only reason why I really have a problem with the QAnon people. Otherwise, I'm like, believe your crazy stuff. Flat Earth people aren't hurting anybody. Right. Fine. I mean, it's, it bugs you, but it's like it's not really doing any damage. Well, but in that way, it's like, why don't you actually do something to help what we see right in front of us? Go. But, go. In, but in classifying, I agree with you that not all <laughs> conspiracies are created equal. Yeah, flat earthers aren't helping anybody. But I think an argument could be made that January 6th is proof that mm, sure. conspiracies do harm people, mm -hmm. do hurt people. And it's it's personally harmful, too. And I, I think we're all kind of on the same page and are circling around the, like, how compassionate church leaders can be because the susceptibility comes from a longing for something. There's, mm -hmm. like, podcasts you can listen to people's experience of, like, how they got sucked into kind of neo-white nationalism. It was, like, it took, you know, the YouTube algorithm is set up in such a way that you get one little taste. Mm -hmm. And you're, you know, wearing uh, like a Holocaust denying t-shirt, you know, like yeah. it happens so quickly um, is where our place is. And, and I think we can do both. I think we can be compassionate and come alongside people. And I think we can also be objective and point to absurd things without being harmful mm -hmm. to the person. I think we can be ideas mm -hmm. without being harmful to a person. And I think that's what a Q QAnon is a really good example because it is Christian people. And I know of people in circles that I'm part of that uh, you know, may not, they, they didn't go to the Capitol riots on January 6th, but like really care about this stuff and really do hope Donald Trump is president in, in March sometime. But Possibly it's June. coming, it, it's coming from a place, it's coming from a place that, you know, I, I have to admit, like, it's hard not to laugh and feel superior to that. But at mm -hmm. the same time, um, you know, you want to care and also say, this is, not true you know uh and i think that's a difficult balance to strike um i will say every person i know that has bought into this and i have a few friends that are they don't mind if i laugh they'll be like i know this sounds crazy but let me tell you another part of it <laughs> and so i think maybe there's some space there i think they all people that i know at least will own the fact that i know i know but let me tell you more um and so i think there's some space to be like yeah okay so yeah give me some evidence and and really call them out on it but I think, so what I took away from this article, just for my role as a pastor and my role as a friend, um, is exactly, so Evan, you said there's a danger of writing people out. And I think that's exactly what he's saying not to do, right? So the crazier someone, especially if it's one of your friends, one of your church members, one of your, like the crazier they sound, that's a an ask to engage, right? Mm -hmm. That's a tell me more, let's have a conversation. Um, because it's the shutting those people out that but you can drive them more right. to their to their right. Facebook it, group. You know, there there's something um, titillating about conspiracy theories too. Mm -hmm. I've, I've read it's like the same part of your brain that gets addicted to other things, like that same like in, in, um, I don't know if it's endorphins or what are endorphins? Dopamine. Yeah, dopamine. Yeah, dopamine. Yeah, those things. What happens when you run? Yeah, so it's, it's I'd the. I'd much rather read about conspiracy theories than run. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, but there, there's this, there's this like, I, I think people do get kind of sucked in because there's this like psychological ex idea that like the truth is really out there. And, um, you know, anybody know the story of Pistol Pete Maravich? I don't know why this comes now? to me. Okay, very, very quickly. Pistol, Pistol Pete Maravich, he's from Louisiana. Uh, he played at LSU. He holds the record for like NCAA points and everything. He was like an incredible basketball player, way ahead of his time. And um, he got into every, um, well, he was an addict. He was an alcoholic, but he got into veganism, vegetarianism, ufology. He got into all of these different things. And he has a really great conversion story where he actually claims to have heard the audible voice of God. And, and he came to faith in Christ and he gave the rest of his life. I mean, he, he wasn't playing basketball anymore, but he gave the rest of his life to Christ. And his testimony is watchable and it's really interesting. But he died playing basketball um, with uh, the guy that founded uh, Focus on the Family. Dobson? Yeah, yeah. They they were playing a pickup game of basketball, and he died. And they turn, it turns out he had like half a heart. It was like this crazy like shrinkled uh, – sh shrunken heart or something. Shrinkled is another word. Um, <laughs> hashtag shrinkled. So anyway, um, but it was, it's an interesting story, but it was a reminder that like this is this has been going on a long time. People go down these rabbit trails of mm. – of alternate views of reality. They think they have the truth. And I actually think there's a Christian discipline to just like we should not gamble or not drink too much. Like conspiracy theories is something we should discipline ourselves against. Um, you know, because even if it might be true, like even if the mob really did kill JFK, like it's probably not going to change anything, but it might destroy you in the process, mm. you know? 
it's interesting at the not this conspiracy theory but there are some people i know that believe some other kind of crazy culty stuff um and a lot of times when i ask like how did you come to that conclusion a lot of times it's well i was introduced to this youtube video mm-hmm. you just like you were saying and it opened this you know the rabbit hole and then it's hours and hours on youtube and people can say anything they want on youtube and um and then they get lost in it and then now it's reality um that and wasn't happening always like a hook about now people are gonna tell you yeah, yeah, yeah. And now when you tell i mean that's the thing is that the anyone trying to present correct information there's always this barrier about like they're gonna come and try to shut us down well in confirmation right like we yep. know if you get evidence to the contrary it doesn't change you it makes you double down yeah uh, and so that's hard too is like how gentle do you have to be to make them not double down you know uh yeah it's uh I will. So I, it's, it's interesting. I've never been a conspiracy theorist, but I've definitely believed things that are not true. What I'm thinking just about like, you know, personally or the way things work mm-hmm. or et cetera, et cetera. And I'm thinking, because what you were saying about your conversations with um, QAnon people was reminding me. And I was remembering at those times in my life that people have just sat there and listened to me and go, gone, really? Yeah. <laughs> and just like that, that kind of like, oh, that person does not believe that like it's 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 actually like made me think about like why and and so then and so then outwardly i might double down i'm like well blah, blah, blah. but inwardly mm-hmm. there's this thing about like little doubt little doubt yeah little sit it out and so mm-hmm. i do think that there's a, there's this something like if we just keep engaging with each other and not isolate mm-hmm. um into our own little echo chambers maybe yeah maybe. i'm thinking about uh, climate change too because you know what people like me are called climate change deniers you know, I'm thinking about that too. You know, mm-hmm. like that—that that would be another example, though, where it's like you plant these little seeds. Yeah. Put <laughs> it to talk about. It's really sorry. Yeah. Well, see, so you always got to leave one more. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just trying to—I'm thinking of these examples where you know it's like, um, you know, like there's an orthodoxy. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't go with it, then you're a denier, or you're this, or you're that. Even and if you change just a little, and, and it's true, there are about about big big kind of ticket items, and there are a lot of people who change like one little thing like i heard a talk by someone who is i'm not anti-vaccine i want blah 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 blah, blah mm-hmm. but she's labeled anti-vaxxer because mm-hmm. she didn't what vaccinate her kids exactly oh. um and there is you know there is some of that and i think i think probably our public discourse or like the 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 rules of discourse loosened away from orthodoxy probably would help us um connect and come back toward a, a level of evidence-based I have to say this just because I know for a fact that there are people watching that are not Christians who think we are all conspiracy theorists right. because of our belief in right. God. I mean, the whole story starts with a talking snake, so it's a little... One, by yeah. your definition, you know. is kind of a conspiracy. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah. three of them, and we're in on it from the very beginning, yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> That's the Trinity. A little Trinity joke for you. We're out of time, so where can yeah. everyone find you and Colin and your... Uh, well, first, I would just love to more information on Theology on Tap or Theology on Air to HoustonTOT.com. I was supposed and to say can, that at the beginning. Yeah. Well, you failed us. I know. Uh, but you can go check out all of our podcast stuff, like it, love it, review it, rate it. But HoustonTOT.com, you can actually see all of our bios except for Colin, maybe one day. Um, and uh, so that's a great way to find me. Um, well, I mean, my name on Facebook, if you want to find me there, <laughs> and my Twitter handle is BagbyCT, though it's less exciting. It's more pictures of my dog and stuff about You have Smash fans, Brothers, by the way, so, already. What kind um, of You've got a couple, have? yes, Collins oh, on nice. here. Oh, yeah. cool. Good, good. And we'll find me on my Twitter, I guess, if you, <laughs> yeah, want to. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at uh, WUMC.com for Westminster and GastroChurch.org for GastroChurch. And uh, yeah, I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm over here at First Lutheran, flhouston.org. So Sarah, Colin, Meredith, thanks so much for for coming in today and uh, chatting on this around the black. It's called around the blackboard because there's a blackboard. I meant to point that out earlier. So, mm-hmm. and it's the best blackboard in all of Houston. I just want everyone to know that it's beautiful, slate and smooth, and it's great. So that's why we gather around it because it's such a great blackboard. So anyway, HoustonTOT.com. We'll see you next time. Yep. Next see time. you later. Thank you.